Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Michael Cunningham and Adam Wheeler. Hello. Hi. On this episode, we're talking about the second prompt in the Books and Bites Challenge, an inclusive or diverse award winner. So what are some of the awards that people can use for this challenge? Well, I know the one that I am reading, The Bridge Home, it was the winner of the Walter Dean Myers Award. And that is for outstanding literature, outstanding like children's and teen literature, honoring Walter Dean Myers, who was a pretty prolific teen and children's author. Mm -hmm. And it focuses on diverse stories told with a really good, diverse context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what list did yours come from, Michael? Mine came from the Black Caucus of the American Library Association. Yes, there's another good one. Um, Mine came from the Annisfield Wolf Book Awards, which is specifically for books that address race and issues of diversity. We'll have a list of other awards that you can choose from on our blog. And of course, we'll have a display out in the adult book section, which we always do. So you can pull books from that. I also happen to think that any book that is written by a person from a diverse or marginalized group that won a big award would count for this challenge? What do you all think? I think we could work that. Yeah. I'm going to be really picky. Because, I mean, that's the ideal, right? Is that people from all backgrounds should be winning these awards. So, like, an example that I have been interested in but haven't gotten to yet is the book All That She Carried by Taya Miles, which won the National Book Award for 2021. Nice. Nice. Wow. (laughs) So speaking of diverse award winners, if you're interested in some diverse reads, our coworker Jacqueline Cooper, who is a guest today, is our teen librarian, and she has a World Reads book club coming up. The very first one is The Bridge Home, which I'll be talking about today. So Jacqueline, do you want to tell us a little bit about the the World Reads club? So the program is Global Reads for Teens, and it's a four-month program for teens to explore other books set in other countries. And through these books, they're going to look at, we're going to do art, crafts, food, and virtual travel. So every month we'll do a different activity and a different book. So it's much more than a book club. And you can track your participation in our Beanstack app, so which is a web-based software where you can track all the activities and earn badges that you participate in. And the more you participate, the more chances you have to win a $25 gift card. And I did choose the Bridge Home, which is set in India, because I felt like it gives the reader a real chance to look at real-life characters and in real settings and the way people live in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. It's a really engaging book with some pretty heavy points also. <laughs> there are, yeah. but it really shows you, it's so, it shows you that Ruku is even, is more, she's one of the main characters. It shows you that she's more than her disability. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one of the reasons I really like it. And I just think it's a really great book. And I guess you do too, since yeah. you like it too. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I did this for a school book club also. 
So I actually watched a questionnaire with Padma Venkatrama and the author of The Bridge Home earlier today, and she shared that she has a disability herself, and it's not one that people always see. So it's really good that she has an opportunity to kind of explore disability in this book in a cultural setting also. Yeah, I think she did yeah, an yeah. excellent job of of showing that Roku was is not just her disability and that she's a real person and she has something to give to the world mm-hmm. no matter even even though if you have a disability you you have so much to give and she did that by making bracelet necklaces and helping her sister and forming friendships with everyone yeah yeah she's really a part of the survival team in there for mm-hmm. sure so for world reads do they get a do they get a copy of the book if they participate? Oh yeah, sorry. They yeah. do. So if they um want to participate, they will need to register to get a free book for the book discussion portion of the Global Reads Challenge. And uh then they just come to the teen desk and let us know that they've registered and we'll give them a free book and we also give them a little trinket based on the country. So we're this time we're giving away bracelets uh that are friendship bracelets. Okay. Awesome. That sounds fun. So, uh, nice activity going over a few months for middle and high school students. You can mm-hmm. get some free books. You have uh, prize-winning opportunities. You can do some online sort of travel and exploration. Sounds like a really good deal. Yeah. What are all the countries that are included? So, we're going to be going to India, of course, is the first one, yeah. and then Scotland, and then Africa, and then last, Iran. Okay. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. I hope so. Yes. I really hope a lot of people get involved with it. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm really, they, teens have asked me for book clubs. So I think this is beyond a book club. I think it's just going to be fantastic. I agree. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks, Jacqueline. We appreciate you taking the time to come tell us about the book club. Okay, so we've talked about the World Reads Club, and I did mention that the very first book is going to be The Bridge Home by Padma Venkatraman. And so I'm going to talk about that very book right now and get you excited, so hopefully you'll participate. So The Bridge Home is Padma Venkatraman's first middle grade novel, and it's a stellar step into new territory. This novel, which follows sisters Viji and Ruku as they navigate homelessness in India after fleeing an abusive home, won the 2020 Young Readers category uh, Walter Award. Nonprofit We Need Diverse Books states the Walter Dean Myers Award for Outstanding Literature uh, recognizes diverse authors whose work features diverse main characters and address diversity in a meaningful way. So, I think Padma Venkatraman fits the bill 100% in the story that also broaches difficult subjects like abuse, homelessness, disability, and religion in an accessible format for young readers that also does a good job of contextualizing the story within Indian culture. (laughs) Quick heads up as I am getting into this, we all have very heavy books today, so... Just just be prepared for that. Readers will feel immersed in Venkatraman's descriptive sensory writing, and they'll also learn some Indian greetings, foods, and more in the very helpful glossary placed near the book's beginning. The descriptive writing is immersive and happy moments, but also really educational for introducing readers to 
instinctual responses when they're meeting new people. Like this line, um, my back hadn't felt like a snake was crawling up it when I'd met Selena Auntie. Like I'd felt with the creepy waste mart man and the nasty bus driver. If anything, she seemed unusually kind. So it's it's kind of giving a, a physical response to if someone is setting off your danger alarms uh, in a way that a kid would understand. <laughs> and actually, Venkatraman shares in a Q&A with Penguin Middle School that a few women and children have contacted her saying the book helped them recognize they were in an abusive situation and subsequently found a way out. So, wow. nice, That's, impactful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think you can be more impactful no. than that. <laughs> right? Yes. So, Venkatraman wastes no time in getting the story rolling. The very first chapter features a figure named Selena Auntie gently persuading Viji to write a letter to her sister Ruku. The second chapter introduces the characters, some of them. <laughs> Ama, who is the mother, Appa, which means father, uh, and their home life succinctly, you know, in addition to the sisters. Viji talks about the way Ruku felt like her younger sister despite being the older sibling. With a different appearance and halting speech, who always found comfort in Viji's storytelling uh, and was also picked on pretty pretty intensely at school. And we find that Appa was a supposedly better man in the past, but Viji compares him to a plump, bruised mango, one that Ama picked herself in hopes that bad parts could be cut away. We learn that because Ama picked Appa herself, Rather than taking an arranged marriage, they are all estranged from family who might have otherwise helped if they'd been around. And then we start to see kind of very specifically what their home life is like when uh, Viji returns home on her 11th birthday. And it starts as a happy occasion with a filling meal made by Ama, including a special sweet treat of payasam that is pudding made with rice or noodles. And however, the mood really quickly shifts as Appa returns home and they're all clued in by his heavy footfalls. It shifts to survival mode. So they can tell just by the sound of him coming in the door whether it's going to be a safe night or not. And Amma's arm was broken that night, followed by promises and forgiveness. And we see how this cycle has been repeating for a while. After Ruku is hurt in an altercation in the third chapter, Viji tries convincing Ama to finally leave Appa, but she stays because it's the only way she knows how to survive. Ama believes, maybe correctly, that she would be unable to find work as an uneducated woman in her community. This is the impetus for Viji to leave home with Ruku because it is safer on the streets than with Appa. And Ama will never leave him. The following story sees Viji and Ruku take a bus to the city, depleting almost all of what little money they have and narrowly avoiding abduction by a duplicitous bus driver. I'm really laying out a lot of heavy material here, but the story, it really does also have some very shining moments of joy in the friendships Viji and Ruku make with uh, two homeless boys and a very loyal stray dog. It's not all sad. It's not all trauma though a lot of it is you know life is never just all the horrible things all mm -hmm. the time <laughs> overall this is a wonderful story of perseverance survival and chosen family the story is accessible to young readers and honestly readers of any age can find important lessons about culture homelessness and breaking cycles of abuse i think it's a excellent read Oops. yeah <laughs> that sounds like a intense 
Yeah. But very, I mean, very important book. Yeah, it sounds like a really, really good one to yeah. start the book club with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's really just in like the first 20 or so pages. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, after that, it finds them, you know, making connections with some other kids living homeless under a bridge in a graveyard, sifting through trash heap for like materials they can sell for a man who may or may not be trustworthy. It's it's rough. Jeez. <laughs> it's rough. It ends on happier notes. I will tell you that. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but, you know, good things happen in the book, too. Okay. Well, that's good. There's something to hold out hope for. Yeah. Yeah. If you need something else to hold out hope for, maybe try making some Hmong Dal Payasam, a nice, tasty rice pudding made with a Sabu Hmong Dal that is dried whole green doll with skin that's been, you know, processed and ghee, sweeteners, cashews, raisins, uh, and cardamom powder, because you need something really, really tasty. Sounds like a really tasty warming treat to me. <laughs> and what book is that recipe that from? Is, oh, that is a good question. I should have should have thought to share that. This is Indian for Everyone, the Home Cook's Guide to Traditional Favorites by, by Anupi Singla. And, you know, we'll have that on the blog. Great. Thank you. My recommendation this month for a book winning a diverse or inclusive award is The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. This book won a lot of awards, most notably the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, but it also added the 2020 Black Caucus of the American Library Association Literary Award for Fiction to its impressive list of accolades. The BCALA Award, first presented in 1994, quote, acknowledges outstanding works of fiction and nonfiction for adult audiences by African-American authors. Recipients of these awards offer outstanding depictions of the cultural, historical, or socio-political aspects of the black diaspora and embody the highest quality of writing style and research methodology, unquote. This book opens in present-day Florida as a group of archaeology students are digging at the site of the abandoned Nickel Academy for Boys. During their dig, they stumble upon a secret burial ground and start unearthing skeletal remains of former Nickel Boys. As the media catches wind of the story, Elwood, a former nickel boy, decides it's finally time to return. Flashing back to the 1960s, Elwood Curtis was a bespectacled young man who idolized Martin Luther King Jr. and his speeches, playing them constantly on vinyl. He was a good student who lived with his grandmother, his parents having run off when he was little. He had he held down a job through high school and was getting ready to take college courses. On the first day of those courses, he hitched a ride out to the college, but never made it. He and the driver were pulled over by a cop and accused of stealing the car and was arrested and sentenced to the hell that was Nickel Academy for Boys. A segregated school overseen by the racist and vindictive Mr. Spencer, the boys were take tasked with jobs like growing crops and producing bricks and lived at the whim of the house fathers who watched over each dorm and prayed on their charges. These boys lived in fear of the White House, an old work shed converted into a torture chamber. Boys would be abducted in the middle of the night and taken there and beaten with a strap for even the smallest of infractions. And if the infraction was deemed serious enough, they would be taken, quote, unquote, out back to a pair of bolts and two trees, and the boys would never be seen again. 
I guess I should stop real quick and mention that the Nickel Academy for Boys was closely based on the very real House of Horrors that was the Arthur C. Dozer School for Boys. There was a real White House where they administered brutal beatings and archaeologists did identify unmarked graves in 2012, leading to brutal stories finally coming to light of what survivors endured during their time at Dozer. Going back to Elwood's story now, a short time into his sentence, he befriended a boy named Turner, who was, quote, always simultaneously at home in whatever scene he found himself in, and also seemed like he shouldn't have been there, inside and above at the same time, a part and a part, unquote. Where Elwood was more idealistic, Turner was a bit more cynical, keenly aware of the state of the world and his place in it. Turner described Elwood as sturdy, even though he looked, quote, soft, conducted himself like a goody-goody, and had an irritating tendency to preach, or eyeglasses you wanted to grind underfoot like a butterfly. He talked like a white college boy, read books when he didn't have to, and mined them for uranium to power his own personal A-bomb, unquote. They worked their community detail together, doing chores at the houses of school board members, and helping to shuttle foodstuffs from the school that were being sold to local businesses under the table. Turner helped keep Elwood's idealistic nature in check and during the horrors of the school together until Elwood finally decided it was time to act, making a decision that reverberated through the school, the state, and each other's lives for years to come. Just a hair over 200 pages, it packs a lot of complex ideas and isn't an easy book to read or digest, especially how closely it's based on our own history. So for this challenging read, I paired it with an easy-drinking, Goya Bear Pale Ale from Cigar City Brewing, located in Tampa, Florida. Brewed with a citra hot, it has a great aroma of berries and tropical fruit up front with the bitterness you usually get in many pale ales and IPAs taking a back seat, creating a nicely balanced brew. You can find it at most places that sell craft beer around town. So I have to admit that has won so many awards and has so many good reviews, but I've always been, you know, a little put off to even try it because of the subject matter. Yeah. How did you feel reading it? There were some some parts that were kind of hard, especially when they took the trips to the White House and there were, you know, allusions to rapes that happened. Here's some of the other, bo- the other boys when they disappeared or... Mm-hmm. There's a particular scene where there's they have a every year they have a boxing match between the whites, the white boys and the black boys. And, you know, they started betting on him and then one forgot what round it was and he disappeared. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's heavy mm-hmm. in parts. But, you know, I tend to read some a lot of the darker, more suspenseful stuff. So I'm kind of used to it. But. Considering what you do read most of the time, <laughs> it would be, yes, it would be pretty, pretty heavy. So I'm curious, you are used to reading some of the darker, kind of more messed up stuff. Yeah. Was this considerably more difficult, especially knowing it's based on a true story? Yes. Yeah. While I was reading this, you know, I would go look up to see what the school looked like. Because the runes are still there, I believe. And... You know, and we have a couple of books in the collection, too, that deal with, I think one's called The White Boys or The White House Boys Mm -hmm. that talk about what they went through. I mean, just, you know, 
just reading their stories, it's pretty, it, it makes it a lot more real and harder to read because it's, it's not fiction. Right. Really. Right. And, yeah. Were there any moments of joy in the book? At the beginning, when you, you, you know, you get Elwood's story before he gets arrested, you know, you know, he's, he, he's about to go off to college. He's getting ready to take these courses. You know, he's still learning his way and he's working part time at a, a little store living with his grandmother and his parents have abandoned him, but he's, you know, likes comic books and loves Martin Luther King Jr. and plays it on repeat. And that's what kind of what gets him through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his time at Nickel. He just remembers these quotes mm-hmm. and from MLK. So, I mean, there there is some moments of joy in there. Mm-hmm. But like in Adam's book, there's definitely more trauma in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for... Thanks for sharing. Okay, so I I wish I could say that my book brought the cozy or the lightness for this episode of Books and Bites, but alas, we were all kind of on the same track. So um, just a warning that this is also a book about a difficult topic. My book is Memorial Drive, A Daughter's Memoir by Natasha Trethaway. And I've talked multiple times on the podcast about Natasha Trethaway. She's a poet who won the Pulitzer Prize for her book Native Guard, which would also work for this challenge. And she served two terms as the nation's poet laureate. And Memorial Drive, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, won the 2021 Annisfield Wolf Book Awards, quote, which recognize books that have made important contributions to our understanding of racism and our appreciation of the rich diversity of human cultures, unquote. When Trethaway was just 19 years old, her former stepfather murdered her mother, Gwendolyn. Memorial Drive reveals the poet trying to survive this tragedy in the only way she knows how, through story. Trethaway was born in 1966, a time when her parents' marriage, her father was white, her mother black, was illegal in her Mississippi birthplace. She writes about her early childhood in Gulfport, Mississippi, where she felt loved and protected by her parents and grandmother, with whom they lived. Quote, within the tight circle of extended family, she says, with their watchful interventions into my daily life, I felt protected, insulated from racial intimidation and violence, regardless of the ferment all around us, unquote. That feeling of safety was all too brief. In 1972, after her parents divorced, Trethaway and her mother moved to Atlanta, where Gwendolyn pursued a graduate degree in social work. Gwendolyn began to date Joel Gramet, a troubled Vietnam vet who immediately made Trethaway wary. He emotionally abused Trethaway even before he and her mother married and had a son. In chapter 6, the book's first-person narration shifts to a second person, you. This point of view allows Trethaway the distance to address some of the most difficult moments in the book. She writes, quote, 
You are in the fifth grade the first time you hear your mother being beaten, unquote. When she told a favorite teacher what she'd heard, the teacher responded with a cliche, and Trethaway realized, quote, there is nothing she is going to do, unquote. That teacher's failure is not the only failure by an authority figure to respond to the domestic violence. Though Gwendolyn eventually left Joel, his abuse escalated with an attempted murder and, after a stint in prison, threats on her life. He fatally shot her when the police officer stationed outside her door left his post early. Throughout the book, Trethaway weaves in the archives of her mother's life, including police statements and a chilling transcript of her last phone call with Joel. Trethaway analyzes family photographs, looking for metaphors as she tries to reach across the chasm of loss to understand something that is ultimately unknowable. Her writing is lyrical and spare and absolutely devastating. I challenge you not to weep while reading it. But for all that, it is a story of Trethaway's survival. As she writes near the end of the book, quote, What matters is the transformative power of metaphor and the stories we tell ourselves about the arc and meaning of our lives. To survive trauma, one must be able to tell a story about it. Unquote. In one of the memoir's early chapters, and in the early chapters, you do see some joy of her living with her, with her family. Trethaway describes gathering pecans and figs with her great aunt Sugar. How, quote, at tea time, she'd serve iced tea with butter sandwiches, the brown edges cut off and soaked in milk laced with sugar. All the days sweet like that, unquote. Savor the sweetness of those days with Easy Fig Pecan Bars, a recipe from the blog Food Lust People Love. We'll link to it on our blog. Having a hard time wrapping my head around what a butter sandwich is. <laughs> is it is it just butter between bread? Just butter between like bread. <laughs> grilled with milk and sugar is, is I you know, she doesn't really describe it. I don't think it's necessarily grilled. I, I mean, I suppose you could do it either way. I think what she means is they is she cut the crust off and soaked those in milk and sugar. Okay. Interesting. My daughter would absolutely love that. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to have to try that. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot. She loves butter bread. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, it's a, like, I kind of looked some stuff up about that, and it sounds like, you know, it's kind of nursery food, like what people feed their kids for, like, a comfort meal <laughs> yeah, or so, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which we could all probably use yes. after this episode yeah. <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> I think what's especially depressing is that book resonates with this book in that there are... It is filled with opportunities for bystanders to do mm -hmm. something. And the abuse continues and bad things continue to happen because no one steps in. Mm -hmm. Was that part in, is that, I mean, yours is about institutional stuff, yeah. Michael. I don't know if it's the same. Not to give too much away, but people outside of Nickel Academy in government are made aware and nothing mm -hmm. happens. And 
if I think in real life with the Arthur C. Dozier school, I want to say that I don't think they even got an apology to like, I think DeSantis finally apologized, you know, right around when they uncovered those. But like, I think, you know, they knew about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they knew what was going on, but like, even the people in charge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we're actually recording this on Holocaust Memorial Day. There's like <laughs> the classic example of people turning blind eyes to mm-hmm. what's going on. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> what do we what do we take from this? <laughs> if you see something, say something. <laughs> there you go. Maybe take an intervention training. There's probably a lot online yeah. that don't cost mm-hmm. much or anything. Though it's not always really that easy. <laughs> right. It can be yeah. dangerous. It can yeah. be dangerous to get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know there are lots of stories out there of people who did who did interfere mm-hmm. certainly in the Holocaust there are many people who risked their lives to mm-hmm. help Jewish people and, and I'm sure that ha- that that is also the case throughout history but being reminded of these really difficult stories is also really important, you know, especially like right now, there's this rise in anti-Semitism. And so we really need to remember what can happen. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Now it's time to pet a cat, play with the puppy, ruminate a little, and then do a happy thing. <laughs> and next month, we're talking about books recommended by young people. So we hope that it will be a little bit lighter. And and just for a little preview, my eight-year-old niece has recommended that I read the Cat Kid Comic Club. So could be fun. That that one is definitely a little bit lighter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are as most Dave Pilchy is it Pilchy or Pilky? Uh, anyway, I Captain Underpants. There are poop jokes. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good poop joke? That's right. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. So. too old for those. <laughs> we, we hope to see you then. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. To learn more about the Books and Bites challenge, visit our website at justpublib.org forward slash books hyphen bites. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. To learn more about Scott and his music, visit his website at doorforadesk.com.